0: Hi, I'm Abby Mercado, an IVF mom, former VC investor and CEO of Rescripted. Welcome to The Future of Fertility, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on the entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the face of family building. With billions in funding over the past few years, we'll introduce you to the people, the ideas, and the businesses that are changing the fertility industry and in turn, millions of people's lives. The future of fertility is bright. Now let's get into it. Dr. Alina Berglund is the co-founder and CEO of Natural Cycles. Natural Cycles is the world's first and only app to be certified as contraception, both in the U.S. and in Europe. A Nobel Prize winning particle physicist, Alina was looking for an effective natural contraceptive, so applied her skills to create an algorithm that could accurately pinpoint when a woman is fertile. A mentor of mine, Nikos Skivasky, introduced me to Alina. You have to meet the CEO of Natural Cycles, he said. She's brilliant, he said. Alina's mission is to pioneer women's health with research and passion by empowering every woman with the knowledge she needs to be in charge of her health. I am so excited to sit down with you today, Alina. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Amazing. Well, so first off, where are you, where, where are you, where do you live? (laughs)
1: uh well since covid i now live in connecticut one hour from manhattan i used to live on manhattan before covid
0: (laughs) very very good and where are you from originally
1: i'm from sweden
0: amazing um i love i love sweden and in particular stockholm it's one of my favorite places in the world it's it's just so beautiful
1: beautiful we we lived there before we moved to new york for Mm. about five years Uh, so we we still have an office there, and that there feels like the biggest office is still in Stockholm.
0: There you go, amazing. Um, Well, like I said, I'm pumped to have you on the pod today. So um, let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. And you know, I'd love to kind of end on a note. You know, as a as a founder that's raised millions and millions in capital, there's your bios all over the place. Um, But I would love to hear kind of one fun fact about you that few people know about you.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um well I uh I'm a physicist I'm a particle physicist uh, I actually wanted to be a physicist since I was about five years old and, and got obsessed by the stars and like black holes and universe and um and always wanted to study physics and do physics um and then I did my PhD in particle physics and then a postdoc uh which at CERN which is um also when we found the Higgs particle that led to uh, a Nobel prize in physics for the theoreticians that predicted the Higgs particles existence like 60 years ago. Uh, and that was like the most incredible experience. It's like really hard to describe to ha- be part of something so big. Um, but it was very exciting, but it also made me for the first time in my life think like, okay, what what should I do next because now I feel like I cannot top this in physics And, and they were anyway shutting down the experiment for a couple of years so I was like for the first time in my life thinking like if I don't do physics what would I like to do Um, so like,
0: yeah, I I can only imagine I actually, so I read, I, there was a pretty long New York times piece that I believe is linked to your LinkedIn profile. So of course I read it and I kind of, I read through that the ultimate goal of a physicist is to know something that no one's ever known before. So (laughs) I can only imagine what that, that feeling must have been like for somebody who had wanted to be a physicist since they were five years old.
1: Yeah, totally. And there's a picture of me pouring champagne in this New York Times article, which I think is a little bit funny uh, on the day the, we discovered the, the Higgs particle. So we, we did have champagne, all the teams,
0: because we did it, deserve it. it was well deserved. Um, <laughs> yes. tell, can you tell us a little bit about just in layman's terms? So this Higgs particle, often called the God particle, just like summarize it. Pretend like you're talking to a five year old.
1: Yes. Um, So basically the the most fundamental tiny, tiny building stones of our world and and our universe is what is called elementary particles. And you know, some of them probably like the electron and the photon, uh, but there, there are more of them. And some of them have mass and some of them don't so like the electron has a little bit of mass and the photon is completely massless and what gives them mass is um the interaction with the higgs boson and the higgs boson was also the last particle that was predicted but hadn't been discovered yet at this point and this was 2012. Uh, so like If we would find this Higgs particle, it would kind of solidify the the theory behind what we call the standard model of particle physics Um, because we had already found all the other particles. So that was kind of a a very big milestone, whether we would have found it or excluded it because then something must have been wrong with the theory. And that's also exciting, but that didn't happen.
0: That's, I mean that's amazing. I like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where this is, is so, it's just, it's so incredible what, what you and your team did, That um, anyway, kudos to you. It's, um, you know, and thanks, thanks for kind of breaking that down uh, down for the listeners. So, um, OK, so so back to back to, you know, this this discovery kind of, you know, cementing what was what had been theorized about and hypothesized about and all of the things. So you said, all right, well, like, I can't go much further in, in the field of particle physics. Um, there is nothing else left to do. What do I do next? So kind of take us back.
1: Yeah. So, um, well it was, it was an intense summer 2012 because it was also the summer where we, uh, when we got married, my husband and I, and so it's, it's now 10 years ago. So we just celebrate our, our 10th uh, anniversary. Oh, um, fast. so like, thank you. So it was like the Higgs discovery and one month later our wedding and then honeymoon. So we were of course discussing quite a bit on the honeymoon, like, if, cause he's also a physicist, not a, Particle physicist, but a different kind of physicist. Uh, so we were discussing, like, oh, okay, if we don't do physics, what, what would we do? And a few months earlier, I had been looking for a, a natural birth control method myself, because I knew we wanted to have kids in a few years. And I used to have the hormonal implant and uh, it was time to take it out, but I didn't want to put in a new one because I thought, like, it's good to give the body a break from hormones before getting pregnant. So I would start ovulating again, etc.
0: How did you and know that? How did you know that it was good to give the body? Like back in 2012, I feel like nobody was like, no, you know, we still don't know enough <laughs> about this. Like, how did you know that data point?
1: Well, I guess I didn't know, but th- yeah. that, I, that was what I thought. Um, I had, uh, I had also, also like 10 years earlier when I was a teenager struggled with um, the birth control pill. Like when I was fifteen or so, I tried the pill. I hated it. It completely changed me, mm-hmm. and so I I stopped taking it. And I, at that point, I'd gone. I went to the library and like started reading up about like how the menstrual cycle works and like when you're fertile and not fertile. And I try. I read about the the method of like analyzing your cervical mucus to see when you're fertile. And I try that as like a seventeen year old, but it was way too complicated and difficult so at some point I gave up and tried the hormonal implant Um, but then when it was time to take the third one out 10 years later when I was 28 there was like (laughs) whole new technology there was the internet I I myself was a scientist so I could read research articles like I didn't have to go to the library anymore Mm -hmm. but I was a little bit facing the same problem that I I wanted to have a a natural birth control method. And there was no obvious option out there. There was nothing that was like very effective and easy to use. And so, um, but I did start reading up on the research about that the body temperature changes throughout the menstrual cycle. Something that I actually didn't know at all. So I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, now I can actually measure my temperature and figure out when I'm ovulating. Um, but I realized quite quickly that the traditional way of doing it by hand was, didn't take into account many things. Like for instance, I was just coming off hormonal contraception. So I, I wanted to take that into account. Um, I wanted to take previous cycles into account. I wanted to make this like statistically sound and fail safe. Um, and I, also realize that i'm the perfect person to do this because <laughs> yeah
0: you're, you're like okay this makes sense i'm a scientist and i have a good subject myself
1: <laughs> exactly so uh, because particle physics is really a lot about infinite of data and algorithms and yeah analyzing data so this is this was my and still is my core skill so i i started applying it to myself but then when we sat there on our honeymoon and, and discussed it, then my, my husband had the idea of, oh, we should make this like, cause I started like using it just for myself. And he said, we should make this available for all women and couples out there. Cause you know, many couples are looking for uh, non-hormonal contraception or need help trying to get pregnant. This kind of solve, solves both problems. And I was like, yeah, that is so true this is what I'm going to do. It was really like an, an epiphany.
0: That's awesome. Wait, paint a picture for us. Where were you on your honeymoon?
1: We were in uh, Seychelles. Um, oh, it was beautiful. Amazing. So I'm actually, when I'm telling this story, I'm actually picturing us because we were in a hot tub at the moment with there you a beautiful go. view of the sea discussing this. So this is what I'm picturing.
0: Every, every founder story has of, you know, interest to it, obviously. And, you know, it sounds like this was a, a, this was a really memorable moment um, between you and your partner, which is amazing. So is, is he particularly enterprising? Like, you know, he, I guess, was he the person who was like, we should build a business out of this? And you were like, yeah, I can do that. Like, how did, you know, as, as two scientists, is that, I don't know, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, He actually uh, studied physics and started doing research because he wanted to discover something that he could then make into a company. So he had always wanted to become an entrepreneur, which is something I had never thought about. I just wanted to do (laughs) physics, right? Yeah. Um, And he always used to pitch me all sorts of ideas. He, He had a new idea every week. Uh, and yeah. I kind of like half listened to them and thought, okay, that was maybe not the best idea or like, <laughs> you know, trying to be a bit supportive. Um,
0: but Sounds when, like every marriage ever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but when he um when when it came to this idea, natural cycles, for me it was not so much about becoming an entrepreneur or running a business. It was like, I need to build this product. I need to do this research. I need to give this to women who need this product. So it was very different than everything else, yeah, proposed.
0: I love it. okay, so assuming you you took some time off, kind of you know, after Higgs, you had just gotten married, you were on your honeymoon, you conceptualized this business. what what did the research look like? How long did it take? and what did you do after you had kind of you know planned out what you needed to plan in order to build a new product that the world had never seen.
1: Yeah, so um yeah a few months after a honeymoon we both quit our jobs in physics. Uh he took a um uh, a management consultant job where he learned about because none of us had really worked in a company before so um so we didn't really know much about it. So you want to learn like about how to run a business and meanwhile I sat home alone in our apartment and um yeah worked on the algorithm the app everything and I uh I thought like you know if nothing comes of this at least I'm learning how to code an app and that that must be useful I can I can maybe go work at Google if this doesn't work out <laughs> um but it took then yeah it took about one and a half years until we we released or launched the first version of the app, which I'd completely built myself. Um, and then it's kind of, it was not like a big bang type of launch because, you know, we were a one and a half person team.
0: Uh,
1: and also- thank, I was... thank
0: you, by the way, for the big bang reference, only from a particle <laughs> physicist.
1: I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but we, we kind of like- know with that we got our first funding and then we could hire a small team and then we could start doing more clinical studies and uh and you know we, we improve things from there but you know now 10 years later it's it's still now we have an amazing team and we have published 14 clinical studies and and we're regulated as a medical device for birth control and fertility planning and in most of the western world um but it's still like it's still hard work of course of as course. you know um, of course but it's also very exciting
0: amazing okay so so give us a breakdown of kind of everything that goes into natural cycles like you know the product as it as it stands today i i think like what i'm interested in in learning about is like all of, all of the different components of a woman's menstrual cycle. So like, what were you taking into account, um, as you thought through this algorithm?
1: Yes. So, um, the temperature changes throughout the menstrual cycle because it, after you ovulate the hormone progesterone increases in your body and, and warms the body. So your temperature is higher after ovulation than before. So with the temperature measurement um you can tell where you are in the cycle not just from measuring once but like because everyone's temperature is is different but from continuously measuring it um but there's also of course a lot of other things that affect temperature it can fluctuate for uh, from a bunch of reasons so that's why it's really important to have a, a solid algorithm that can separate like what is due to the menstrual cycle what is due to something else and um in the beginning and and Still uh, today, uh, women measure with a thermometer in their mouth when they wake up in the morning as a, a proxy for um, the basal body temperature, which is your lowest temperature point during the night, which is the most stable value, because during the day, it also depends on like what you're doing. Um, but last summer, we got a new FDA clearance um, that you can use natural cycles in conjunction with Wearables, so measuring during the night on the skin and also then taking heart rate into account. Uh, So actually, only four weeks ago or a month ago, we launched the Cholera collaboration with the aura ring which measures temperature on your finger as you sleep Um, I saw that collaboration
0: yeah congrats on that and I, I feel like there there's just so much momentum behind wearables and so was it was kind of the the research such that I mean to like put this super simply I'm probably oversimplifying it but like you can, uh, your, the temperature that is found in your mouth is the same as the temperature that is found in your finger. And if not the same, maybe, you know, helping the algorithm come to the same conclusion.
1: Yeah. So in the end, what we really want to measure is like the, the body temperature, if we, yeah. we could have something sensor far in the body, that would be the best, but that's hard to do. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, in the end, though, like the absolute value for us is less important than the trend. Right. So okay. pr- your skin temperature is lower than your oral temperature, but uh, measuring with the aura ring on, on the skin is actually very stable over time. So we made um, a clinical study for that um, FDA submission that showed that the temperature from the aura ring is as stable as the one from the mouth. So it's as good to as input into our Fertility algorithm,
0: got it. Okay, so cool. That was basically what I was getting at. Although you put it (laughs) so much more eloquently than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so so you're taking into into account temperature. Um, Like what what else is is natural cycles taking into account, and you know why does it matter for a woman's cycle?
1: So the um, our fertility algorithm also of course takes into account menstruation just to know when the cycle starts, basically. Um, It can optionally also take into account um, luteinizing hormone tests, known as ovulation tests, which measures the hormones that peaks like a day or two before ovulation. This is especially uh, useful if you're trying to get pregnant. So the app then tells you which days to take such a test so you don't have to take so many tests because uh, this is like you, you pee on a mm, stick. Yes. So the thermometer you can use for years, but it's such a stick, you can basically only use
0: once. So you don't, I, I remember taking like 10 a day and being like, is this really <laughs> necessary? Oh my gosh.
1: No, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish I'd known you,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, I, I know some of our users, they, they go all in and then they take several days as well, even if they don't have to. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting. I also love measuring things with with my body, like COVID tests for this. This is so fun to take COVID tests. I think a Oh my a gosh, time. said no
0: one ever. Oh goodness. I don't think it's fun to take COVID tests, but I guess no? that's how we differ. I'm sure we have a lot in <laughs> common, both as you know, female founders and CEOs, but that, that is where we differ, Alina. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel so, like it's almost like a pregnancy test that tells yeah. you something about your
0: future. <laughs> yeah, too funny. Um,
1: but yeah, and then um, it's now also takes, with the Oura Ring integration, takes into account heart rate, but not as a ways to to measure fertility necessarily, but rather a way to measure the, your lifestyle. So what we've noticed that um, if, you, if you drink a few glasses of wine, for instance, the evening before, it can affect your temperature, but it, it affects your heart rate much more. So if we see like a peak in your heart rate one night, Uh, It can be alcohol or or stress. And then we know how much it will have affected the temperature. And then we correct the temperature to kind of take into account your, what you did the the night before. And it gives it even more stable temperature data.
0: Got it. Okay. So that I read on your website, that's kind of like you have kind of a different success rate for somebody who uses the app versus uses the app. Perfectly. So, is that kind of you know how you would describe an example of someone who might use the app perfectly? Is like, okay, I had a glass of wine. Natural cycles. Uh, no. No. Okay. So,
1: um, but indeed, as you say, like every birth control method has uh, a perfect use effectiveness and a typical use effectiveness. Mm. And for natural cycles, the the typical use effectiveness is ninety three percent effective, which means that seven out of a hundred women get pregnant per year for any reason, um, the perfect use is 98% means that, um, you can still measure however, or forget to measure that doesn't matter. You still count as a perfect user for us. What matters is if you actually use protection when the app tell you to do so, that's the Got only it. thing that differs perfect to not.
0: Okay. Perfect user. Okay. Thank you for breaking that down. I should have read that more closely on your website. Um, oh,
1: no, worries is this, very good thing to explain because many people, it's very different. Like for instance, if you, if you're on the pill, um, there are many things you can do to not count as a perfect user. Like for, you can forget the pill of course, but you can also, for instance, eat grapefruit uh, and, and you can yeah. be sick and, and vomit and, or have diarrhea. So like many things to keep track of. But with yeah. natural cycles, the only thing in the end that really matters is that if you use protection, when the app tells you it's a red day, you're for,
0: you might be perfect today yeah. Yeah, or not. So why, how are you the, well, okay. So I, I should share this. So I am, um, I'm Catholic. And so when my husband and I were married, we went through natural family, family planning. And that is basically you attempting is what we call it in the Catholic church. And, you know, it's, it's a recognition that your temperature matters. So how how are you the first person to say, let's actually put this into an algorithm? Like, let's write code that supports this. Like, what were, were you like running up against anybody else doing this? I know you know there's a handful of folks who are and companies who are doing this now. Like, tell us about your experience, kind of with with early competition or lack thereof.
1: So we're definitely the first to to get um, a clearance as a medical device for uh, as a contraceptive digital contraceptive method, but there were other algorithms out there. Like then I would like what in the end what is an algorithm can be a very simple thing. So like yeah. this thing where women. Do the they look at the if the last three temperatures were above the five before? It's also some kind of algorithm. It's just not a very sure. good one.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I'm like sitting with my like priest, like measuring my temperature. Yes, you probably heard algorithm. stories like these. <laughs>
1: so yeah, so so there were also uh, other uh, algorithms that other companies had. Uh, I I just noticed that they weren't very good. So that's where I felt like uh, here I can really make a difference. And also, I think we definitely have, I'm very sure that today that we have by far the best algorithm and also by far the best validated algorithm since we've now um, done huge amounts of very big clinical studies to, to show that.
0: Yeah. It seems like a huge differentiator for you all. Like, you know, obviously it's not only a business, but it's like very much a business that is, you know, has been started and is run by a scientist. So I'm sure that that obviously makes all the difference in <laughs> research. Like you've been doing research your whole life. So, um,
1: yeah. That, yeah and, and also yeah. we, I'm, I'm very happy because we have um, a whole team of data scientists and, and many of them actually are also particle physicists and, and several of them I worked with on the Higgs wow. discovery. So I'm, I'm not unique at natural cycles to have been part of the Higgs discovery. We're, there are many of
0: us. Oh, that is so cool. Um, I did not yeah. know that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm very happy
1: that I I still get to work with them. Uh, Not all of them, of course, but some of them. And uh, it's a lot of fun. That's
0: wonderful. Okay. So, you know, now that we've talked a lot about the science, um, which I super appreciate, and I know our listeners do too, um, tell us about, okay, so you founded the business in 2013, right? Yes. Okay. So back in 2013, you know, as a like direct to consumer everything was let's just say it was different um you know we might not have all been on instagram not all on tiktok um like how did you how did you reach the consumer um and you know in turn how did you kind of prove out that traction to your investors
1: yeah it was different like i think one thing where we went against um, the stream but it proved to be useful now and i'm happy we did is that we from the start, charge for the product. Mm-hmm. So at that point, all the apps were supposed to be free, like, like Facebook. Uh, and I think many period trackers still still are, and they try to monetize in other ways. But we said from the start, like, if this is supposed to be a, a contraceptive method, it's better to charge for it, because you know there's some commitment involved, then, and we mm-hmm. know then that our consumers are also our customers um we don't have to sell their data we don't have to monetize with ads and other ways but investors were very much skeptical like should you really charge for this you'll get much more users if you don't charge for it mm, and yeah. i think today this makes so much sense so i'm, I'm happy we were bold and charge for it from the start um yeah. there was no tiktok um but there was Facebook, so like I remember the we first first when I was the only employee and did everything myself. I also <laughs> I th- ran some man. Facebook ads <laughs> <laughs> um, to try it out. So yeah, yeah, that, that part has yeah not
0: changed too much. Too much. No, that, um, that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I certainly commend you for your bravery in the face of those investors (laughs) and being like, no, this is, you know, and and we say like, okay, you were kind of facing a world where apps were free, but, you know, truly like it's, it really is that commitment to use your app. It like, it does require commitment and yeah. you know, it requires like an, an external device, right? Like you have to have this thermometer. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, if somebody's not paying for it, they are they really appreciating it for like the value that it actually has in their in their health. So I commend you for that for sure. No, thank you. Um so, you you mentioned, um, you know, kind of other, other ways of thinking about other ways that other companies kind of in your same sphere might have been thinking about monetization strategies. And I just like, I want to go right there. So, you know, there have been apps in the past that have sold data. That's how they monetize, um, you know, all of that. Um, and, you know, I think that we're kind of in this this new world, at least in the U.S., um, of you know how we think about data and privacy for women. Um, so, I guess in in light of the recent Dobbs ruling, why does natural cycles matter? Um, like, how are you all, you know, protecting the data of women today?
1: Yeah, this is a um, a huge deal for women's health in general, and of course also for natural cycles. Um, and I, I feel like it's now more important to. Than ever to really like distinguish you know different companies and different products. And we have always felt like that we're quite different because we we're not a free peer tracker, we're a medical device for birth control. And part of the medical device process is to really care about data privacy. There are a lot of regulations that's part of that already. Um then we're also European companies, so we comply with GDPR, which is very strict um, regulations um now though with um the Roe v Wade being overturned we felt like we have to go even one step further so um we're now working on an anonymous mode in the app such that not even we at Natural Cycles ourselves could potentially identify a user and that's to protect us and our users for a potential subpoena one day Mm. Uh, we haven't ever received one um but to be super safe we want to if we would receive such a subpoena if we don't have access to um to the data ourselves or know which user has what sensitive data there's nothing we can give out to the authorities either right. so this is something
0: we're working on right now when when will that be live uh hopefully later in the fall oh that's amazing i'm sure that um i know as a as a woman, like, that just gives me, like, I almost, like, kind of heaved a sigh of relief just then, knowing that that, that is even possible um, for women in America. So I am hugging you from here in Colorado. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for for doing what you're doing for women in America. It's It's incredibly important to all of us.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's really, now it's really even more important than before. I feel.
0: Yeah. Um, So, so tell us like what, what, what's like next for natural cycles? Like, how do you, you know, as often, you know, the job of the CEO is defined as threefold. So you're responsible for the, the strategy, um, the people who can carry out that strategy, and of course, the money to pay those people who will then carry about out that strategy. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I describe just generally the role of a CEO. How do you, how are you thinking about strategy going forward and, you know, just, just what natural cycles looks like in the future?
1: Yeah, we, we have, uh, as always, incredibly a lot of things, exciting things going on. So anonymous mode is, is one big focus right now, as well as the, the Aura Ring that we, we've just launched. Um, but we're also working on uh, our own wearable and our own um, improvement to the thermometer as well. Uh, so this hopefully will will come out in, in some months. Um, and then also you know even doing even more cool research and uh, bringing women's health forward in general when it comes to to research and hopefully one day we also want to tackle menopause and we think the wearable is a big part of that um because we feel like if you're tracking your your menopause journey it's probably um too much to ask to measure your temperature every morning well it's it's definitely worth it for if you want to avoid pregnancy or you want to get pregnant Uh so we hope that for menopause since it's such a long journey that takes many years uh tracking things with a wearable is the solution
0: yeah it's um i i love seeing just the more and more startups in the menopause space, um, you know, kind of tackle tackle issues there. I remember distinctively seeing a book in my mom's bookshelf called The Silent Passage. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a, I think it's a pretty popular book on menopause, but I remember, you know, kind of you know, in, in retrospect, she and I have talked a lot about women's health. Um, you know, just in the future, and you know, she often notes that that's really all she had <laughs> was that book. Like that was that was there not more. So it's good to know that you know you're you're kind of extending the life of of natural cycles for um, for users whose menstrual cycle is pausing. So yeah, um, yeah that's that's really exciting. Um, so a, a question about you know, I know that that Natural Cycles right now is you know kind of focused on planning and preventing pregnancy. Um, in terms of people who might not have straightforward cycles, do you have any solutions for? helping them, helping people identify problems with their cycles, et cetera, you know, we have crazy stats, like one in 10 people have um, PCOS, one in 10 women mm-hmm. have endometriosis. Um, a lot of our community members at Rescripted, we're, you know, we're, we're helping them with, with those things, those um, disease states. So how, how are you helping the, the patient that, or the, the person that might not have kind of the perfect bill of menstrual health?
1: Yeah, we we have a lot of users with PCOS, especially uh, because Natural Cycles uh, detects ovulation um, in the temperature data. Um, we have a lot of PCOS users that are either trying to get pregnant or are thinking of trying to get pregnant at some point in the future. Because those are actually the women that we help the most. If you have a super standard regular cycle, then then, then it's much more straightforward. And we've noticing that um, many of the women that have been diagnosed with PCOS, they, they do still, actually most of them do still ovulate. It's just really not trivial to see, for many to see when and how often, but they do, uh, which then gives hope that they can get pregnant one day or um, when they want to. So we, um, we definitely... Uh, are very fond of our PCOS users and, and we get quite a bit of feedback from them on how we, we help them achieve pregnancy, which is, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Um, well, Alina, this has just been an awesome conversation. Um, and I've just so enjoyed chatting with you. I have, one more question that we ask for all of our we ask all of our participants on this podcast, and you know that is what is one thing that you would rescript um, when it comes to fertility, the fertility industry. Um, what, what's what's the one thing that you would change that you would reframe um, that is that is really wrong that you want to fix with this industry?
1: Well. Uh... I think this could be a great opportunity to touch on the women's fertile window. I mean, you and probably all the listeners to this podcast is aware that uh, women are only fertile six days uh, out of your cycle. And and also they're really only three days where you have significant fertility. Um, but so many women and girls still don't know that. And I think a big part of that is because women are still told today or, or girls in school that oh yes you're fertile every day of the cycle so don't even look at the boy <laughs> at yeah. kind of fear-mongering them out of instead getting to know their body and yeah uh, not being scared of their body so i would risk that
0: yeah, basically like (laughs) what is the cycle? How does it work? What are the phases? Um, yeah, sex ed is broken. We definitely, we definitely agree with that. So, um, well, where can people, where can people find you? Where can people find natural cycles if they, if they want to learn more?
1: Um, you can always go to naturalcycles.com. Um, there you can learn more about our product, but also we have a great, Blog called Cycle Matters where we write about all things about women's health. Also, we have um, about four hundred thousand followers on Instagram where we have really educational and also fun content around everything related to to women's health. Uh, so you can check us out there too.
0: Amazing. Um, amazing. Well, thank you again, Alina. Again, this was an absolute joy. Um, I really look up to you as a founder. Um, and thank so you thank for you. what you do and uh looking forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Thank you for tuning in to the future of fertility. We hope you live here feeling empowered about all of the exciting innovations taking place in the fertility space. If you like today's episode and want to stay up to date on our podcast, don't forget to click subscribe. To find this episode, show notes, resources, and more, head to rescripted.com and be sure to join our free fertility support community while you're there.